Welcome to Let's Talk Death, conversations to inform and inspire. Let's Talk Death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a nonprofit providing the tools and resources to support one's journey with grief. We seek to empower individuals to achieve a healthy post-bereavement growth. Everything we do is inspired by our core belief that no one should ever grieve alone. Let's Talk Death is a series of conversations with some amazing people from various fields. Our goal through these conversations is to normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief. Hello, welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Death. I'm Fran Solomon. And I'm Andy McNeil. And we're thrilled to be your host for these conversations. Our guest today is Marnie Blank. Marnie is a trained death doula, mediator, lawyer, and female-founded small business owner. Marnie's goal is to create a safe space to learn and talk about death, dying, and grief, including one's accountability in completing advanced care directives and end-of-life planning, creating legacy projects, and helping with pre- and post-death logistics. She brings deep compassion, active listening, practical resources, and a healthy dose of humor to her work. Death and grief affect us all. And Marnie has learned the more we connect with our families, communities, and, and ourselves, the less fear plays into these critical discussions and decisions. She has written articles for Trust and Will and Lantern. Marnie, we are delighted to have you as a guest on our show. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here today. Marnie, before we speak about your work, may I first take you back in time and ask you to share about your experience after your mother's accident that led you to the work you do now? Sure. So I was um, going about my life having um, dinner with some friends and I got a call, the call that you don't want to get saying, you know, your mom's in the hospital. She's okay. But, and she had been in a sort of a freak car accident. And the first things that went through my mind were not, is she okay? Obviously I was worried about that, but it was, oh my gosh, I have all of her documents sitting on my desk, which I have not gotten signed that were my responsibility to take care of her advanced directives. And I am a lawyer by background. I'm very responsible and organized. And there was some sort of block for me around dealing with paperwork that had to do with my mother's death. And it really got me thinking about, you know, if this was a problem for me, this was going to be a problem with a lot of people of my generation. Um, you know, I'm at an age where, you know, my my parents are getting older. And um, this is something that we have to be thinking about, not only for them, but for ourselves. And so, you know, after I got all of those things taken care of and being at the hospital with my mother, I started to realize all of the logistics that went into, you know, not even just when someone dies, but when someone is critically injured, you know, what to do with her pets, her mail, um, dealing with insurance, an accident report with the police. You know, there are so many things, um, finding a rehab center for her. Luckily, I had my sister to help me with some of these things, but it felt really lonely. And I went onto the internet and, uh, you know, how do I, how do I deal with this? You know, w what do I do? And I really found a lack of resources um, that felt supportive to me. 
And so it really got me thinking about caregiving and about, you know, when you were dealing with all of the logistics around either someone's passing or someone's serious illness, there's little time to be sitting in grief. You don't get to experience that grief. You shove it down and you deal with all the things that are right in front of you. But it doesn't mean that those things go away. It just means that they're sitting and waiting for another time to to pop back up. Um, And so it really, um, it changed the path that I was going on. And it made me go to a a death doula training program and to to really start to learn all about these things so that I could help be a resource for other people going through it. It's fantastic. Uh, First of all, thank you for thinking about how you can, you know, you've walked before someone and how you can turn around and help, you know, give a helping hand to someone coming after you. I mean, it's really, it's what the entire, in many ways, the entire bereavement support field is built on is that sense of, Hey, I've been there and, and let me attempt to make it a little bit smoother process for you than it was for me. I've learned some things and this is what that, what that looks like. I I know that uh, quite often I'll have people come to me who are newly bereaved. Maybe they're six, seven months out and they'll say, I think it's getting harder than it was even at the beginning. And when they start talking about what it was like at the beginning, they were running around dealing with so many logistics. It's a different part of your brain that handles that. It's like this cognitive shift that, that, that happens at some point where you all of a sudden, now you are fully present with your grief. Whereas before you had so many things that no one told you you were going to need to, to manage and deal with even just, even just the phone calls that you have to make on people's bills and all of the other pieces and parts, how many people want a death certificate so that you can prove out certain things. I mean, it just, the list goes on and, and, you know, it's difficult two ways. One people who can make that kind of shift and focus on that and they aren't experiencing their grief, but even more challenging are those who can't make the cognitive shift to do the logistics because they are so focused on their grief. So I think both happen uh, in there. So I can see where this can be very, very supportive. I agree. And there are other, um, you know, there are some people who, you know, are very logistics oriented and who can just get to it. And there are other people who um, it's overwhelming and, and they're, you know, where they can help out lays in, in other ways. Um, and having someone who can, also just point you in the right direction. You don't know what you don't know when you come into a situation like this, you know? And so having someone who can say, okay, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And here's how I can help guide you. um, I feel is invaluable and something that I didn't feel like I had access to when I was going through it. Now, I want to put a twist on this whole conversation. um, And this is based on feedback that we've actually heard from our community members that often when someone doesn't have their end of life wishes in place and family is left to make those decisions for them, it can create um, a divisive wedge between family members who believe their person would want something different. And then that in itself delays the healing process because there's so much turmoil and so much fighting. And then it's grief on top of grief. It's not only now grieving over someone who died and didn't, I didn't um, write down their wishes or make their wishes known. It's now the fighting between siblings and family members on 
that'll tear that'll tear a family apart. You're right. It it can create it can create a burden in many ways. It can create a burden of just adding an extra layer of, of what you need to be thinking about. It can create what you're saying, a divide between family members. And it also, you know, the deceased don't have a say in, you know, in in how their wishes are played out. Um, it's really the biggest gift to be able to have your advanced directives in order if someone's at the hospital for your the people grieving to not have to make these large decisions in that moment where you're not necessarily making the right decisions or the best decisions because you're under this time pressure and you're under this stress. Um, but to be able to leave very clear guidance for the people who are going to be caring for you or after wishes um, is a huge gift to family. I have training in elder mediation and having these conversations between family members in advance, um, being able to hear, you know, the different sides, maybe, you know, siblings do have different understandings of what they think should be happening at the end of life or after um, someone passes and having those conversations up front while uncomfortable um, can really be a healing moment for a family. Yeah. And in my house, I mean, we've, we've kind of, by the work I do, we've kind of actually made it funny. I mean, my kids know that my favorite color is cobalt blue and anybody coming to pay tribute has to have cobalt blue. (laughs) Hopefully when they see cobalt blue, they're going to say there's mom. (laughs) We, we also have that in our family. Um, My dad is a huge Costco fan Um, and Costco, I don't know if you know, but they sell, um, urns and caskets, and we have already said that we will be burying him in a in a Costco urn. He's all for it, but it is we make it light, we make it part of the conversation. Um, but we've had so many more conversations in the last few years about um, death and dying, and have made it just part of our regular conversation that it's less uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah, we're Jewish, and I just—we're Jewish, and I just assume that we're going to have, um, you know, a a a deli. (laughs) And my husband, he said, "No, I want Chinese food." (laughs) (laughs) See, you, you never know. Assumptions can lead us down the wrong path all the time. Let's talk. Death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a 501c3. As a nonprofit, we are reliant on the kind generosity of our donors. If you are inspired by our mission, we ask you to go to healgrief.org backslash donations to help us continue our great work. No gift is too small. I did want to I did want to go back on something that you mentioned earlier in when you were sharing your story, but because I, I think it is a, a piece to this, and that's the barriers to us doing this preparation. Um, and, you know, you mentioned even even for yourself, even being a lawyer and working in this and and knowing that these are things that we need to have in place. I would say even myself, three decades in bereavement support field, even knowing for some reason when it comes to our personal, like getting that those final things in place, uh, and you had mentioned this way, for some reason, I, you know, I wasn't able to do that for, you know, I, something like that. I wasn't able to do that for my for myself. And I think and you mentioned your generation. And I think it's really I think somehow it's tied to our culture somehow and where our focus might be. 
but I am curious your thoughts on, I know you've probably seen it as well, what some of those barriers are and, and why, like, why do we, why do we find ourselves uh, in that situation? Yeah. I mean, I think that we don't, as a culture, like you said, a lot of cultures have death as part of life. It is um, something that is, you know, really honored, um, especially, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really honored. And I feel like in our culture, it's very, it's it's kept like in the dark, it's kept in the shadows. It's something that people don't really talk about or think about. Um, and therefore, it won't happen. Um, and, you know, none of us are guaranteed a long life. But I think that the younger generation, it's it's easier to think, oh, well, I have plenty of time to be doing these documents. Like, I'm not there yet. I don't need to. Or, or I know I should do that. Um, but, you know, I have plenty of time for that. But but no one is guaranteed that that long life. And um, my generation, you know, when going through um, major life events like, you know, buying a house, um, having a child, um, or even just experiencing, you know, the death or loss of an, of an elder there, these are the moments where you're thinking about it more that, you know, you know, that you should do it. It's on that to do list, but to actually go through the, the steps of doing it feels overwhelming because it's not part of our culture. We don't know where to begin. Um, and when we don't know where we begin, we just put it off for another day. I mean, that's that's not the best as we've talked about, you know, putting it off means that you might not have your wishes known um, later. You might not have that say and you might leave it to family members who are going to be dealing with their own grief at the time. So I do think that there is like a cultural block around it. I think that one of the things that the pandemic has brought up is this sense of grief overall in our culture and that none of us are immune from experiencing loss and grief. And I do think that now that this has happened, it is a time that people have taken more stock in where am I at? What could I be doing to plan? Because we know that things happen that we aren't necessarily planning. Um, and this is one thing that we can control. Danny, I want to take a shift. Um, let's For those of us who do not know, what is a death doula? A death doula is someone who um, can help educate and um, be a resource for family. Um, not only, you know, the traditional death doula is someone who can sit bedside and, you know, help care for a family, um, offer support at a time of someone's passing. Um, but a death doula is much more than that. They can be someone who educates the community um, around death, dying and grief. Um, they can help you um, do your advanced directives and end of life planning. And really there are a way in which you can um, have conversations with people who are not worried about, you know, who can hold space in an uncomfortable conversation. Um, and so they, they can come in any part of life. And really it's a, it's a way in which to have someone who can help you think about how can I live my best life now? It's really, you know, when you think about death, it's it's not just death. It's like, how can I create the best life I can lead while I have it? Um, and so that when I get to my deathbed, how do I want to feel? How do I want to be remembered? Um, and death doulas are um, a resource for people to have those conversations. Um, 
We can also do things like legacy work, you know, whether that's um, creating audio or video of our elders um, and capturing stories and memories. It could be um, creating memory quilts. It could be recipe books. There are so many ways in which to to honor honor people in our lives and, and honor ourselves in our journey. And so death doulas are sort of everywhere in the process of life and death. So I was under the impression that death doulas come in really at a time of death. But what I'm hearing is that perhaps it's even earlier than that to to do the planning. Yes. Um, you know, there are certain death doulas who focus on those end stages where they can come in sort of when hospice comes in, sort of the, la- the late stages and be there to hold vigil, to help with home funerals to help guide the family in next steps. But really, when you get to that point, you know, you've you've potentially missed an opportunity to have some of these difficult conversations or have someone help facilitate the conversations um, when you're young and healthy. And my goal is really to be focused on the younger generation, um, you know, the 30s through mid 50s as well, to have these conversations earlier. So you're not getting to the end of life and feeling scared or worried or don't know what's going to happen. The more information we have, the more educated we are, the more empowered we feel, and the more light we can feel um, just in our day-to-day lives to not have this thing that's in the shadows waiting for us that we don't understand, but to have those conversations earlier. Well, we, we actually have reached um, the end of our time together. Before we, before we um, end our conversation, though, we do have people who who chime into the show that that always like to know how they can connect with our guests. How how might people connect with you or your work? Sure. So my website is marnieblank.com. And then my Instagram handle is at begin with underscore the end.com. Um, and those are the main places that you could find me. Great. Marnie, we want to thank you so much for being a guest here on Let's Talk Death and for sharing the story behind your work. Thank you so much for having me. If you would like to learn more about Heal Grief, visit us at healgrief.org to find other conversations or to inquire about becoming a guest speaker. Visit us at healgrief.org backslash Let's Talk Death. And if you feel inspired to support us, remember, no gift is too small. Visit us at healgrief.org backslash donations, or you can donate right through our homepage. Well, that's it until next time on Let's Talk Death, where we normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief.